Do I have an intro? Oh, do you want an intro? Listen. Welcome to Wrestling in Review, your weekly wrestling recap. Wrestling in Review, your weekly wrestling recap. Wrestling recap. Wrestling recap. All right. Welcome to Wrestling in Review, your weekly wrestling recap, much like the intro shed. This is Chris and Patrick. Patrick, how's it going tonight? Everything's going good. I am living La Vida Loca. That's fantastic. I always knew you lived that crazy life, my friend. Is there any other way to live? Yes. Calm and sleepy. That sounds kind of nice that right now. Kind of nice. Are you pepped up? You pepped up to talk about this show? I think I'm always excited, even though we'll get to it. But Baron Corbin was banned from competing, and I was very upset. So I wasn't geared up to talk, but I am now. I can handle it. I've coped. I know that must have been hard. It must have been hard for you to see. But hey, the king always finds a way, does he not? Uh, He definitely does. And I did tweet him about you, just in case you didn't know. How dare you? He has to know. I don't know what you tweeted him, but I'm a little nervous now. I just, I recommended that he listen to the best wrestling recap show in the biz, and he didn't reply. But, you know, that's not surprising. I figure if I do it about 150 more times, you might listen, and maybe by then you'll have your act together. Yeah, and maybe by then we'll have 150 episodes. Maybe so. (laughs) That's a long time. All right, so let's go ahead and get to it. We're going to start off with SmackDown, start this wrestling weekend off. SmackDown was in uh, Vancouver. Uh, we had a main event of the A-team, John Morrison and The Miz versus Roman and a secret partner. Plus, we get to talk about date night for Otis and Mandy, a uh, Valentine's date night. And we also get to see the immortal Hulk Hogan in an interview. Uh, first of all, it's a pity date night. A pity date, not a Valentine's date. So, uh, yeah, I mean, A-team in action. It's... Uh, Looking like it's gearing up to be a really good show. And uh, how better way to start a wonderful, blissful show than with a moment of bliss? Beautiful segue, but I have to stop you and say that, sir, is not a pity date. That's love in the air. Yeah, me and the world disagree with you. Okay. Well, we'll see. In the end, uh, you can't you can't fight love. And we'll see how that turned out in the end. But yes, we started off with a moment of bliss with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, that little best friend duo coming out. And it is the first moment of bliss of 2020. And they kick it off with the way that we expect them to with fun talking about their celebrity crushes. Now, do you believe that Alexa Bliss's celebrity crush is actually Brad Pitt? Hey, don't be naughty. I still don't understand what Nikki was trying to come off come off with there. I, I don't yeah. know either, but it was acceptable apparently because there was no more talking about it. And no, I do not believe that Brad Pitt is her celebrity crush. Am I a celebrity yet? You're not, but you know what? One uh, day. Someday. <laughs> it's just a good thing that my wife doesn't support anything I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it wouldn't be good. Don't let her listen to the show. No, never. So... No, I don't think that her celebrity crush is Brad Pitt. And I don't think that we need to know because we don't need to get naughty. But we all know who uh, Carmela's celebrity crush is. 
yes, we do. And Carmella does come out. And Carmella did win a fatal four-way uh, for the right to face Bailey. She won that last week. And Alexa Bliss goes ahead and states that she isn't bitter about the whole situation. But she does think that people are saying that the victory is surprising because no one's heard much uh, about Carmella recently. And, you know, Bailey and Carmella were best friends at one point. And, you know, Carmella said that Bailey changed when Sasha Banks came around. Do you believe that's true? No, I think that Bailey is finally being the best version of Bailey. When you're a champion, you can't worry about everybody else and hugs. You have to worry about maintaining your championship. And I don't understand why everybody wants to blame Sasha. You don't change people. People don't change. People just become who they really are. And Bailey is a champion who has beat everybody. And why why do you have to be mean, Carmella? Bailey was your mentor. She showed you the ropes. She taught you how to have success in this business to the point where you were a SmackDown Women's Champion. This is just... Oh, I just can't believe people would do this on a on a Valentine's and they just want to blame everybody but themselves. Be relevant, Carmella. Be relevant. I think Carmella's pretty relevant. I mean, she was the first female money in the bank winner. That is true, but how long ago was that? Haven't we had one since, if not two? Yeah, that's true. She was actually double champ uh, or double money in the bank holder, I believe. Was she not? Well, she won the first one uh, with some help. And then they made her win it again. And she did. So, I mean, she won the same one twice, but uh, Alexa Bliss actually won the second one, I believe. Yeah, I do believe that is true as well. Um, And then so after that was all said and done, Bailey decides to come out and say that this whole thing is is nauseating and that uh, Carmella's riling the sheep up and. Bailey said that ever since NXT, she's actually pitied Carmella. Bailey starts talking some junk, even st- talks a little junk to Alexa, calls her a pipsqueak, and mentions winning a handicap match for her versus Nikki and Alexa uh, a while back. Do you remember when that happened? I don't. I don't remember that. I uh, I don't doubt her. She's the champion. She's not going to just make stuff up. Uh, I believe that uh, she's just here to to lay stuff out and she's not she's not trying to hide she's not trying to pretend to be anybody's friend she's just laying it out there i don't remember her doing it i don't think she needs to to mock or make fun of or do anything to alexa bliss in fact i wish more women were like alexa bliss yeah that's true alexa is the goddess of wwe so during this time it looks like carmella just doesn't want to deal with that talk anymore all that smack talk on SmackDown that bailey's doing and she goes ahead and invites bailey to the ring to get the show on the road right now instead of waiting till later do you think that was a good idea well you know what i always say there's no better time than the present that's true especially on christmas yes I think that I say there's no better time for presents, uh, oh, not present. That is, is your I, other saying. I, I do like to say both of those. One during Christmas and then one the other 364 days. It's true, but it is weird that you call me up just to say that line. Well, I thought you enjoyed it. I do, but you know. Okay, then I was right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so just keep doing it, I guess. It's such a good time. It was It was a good match, and, and Carmella... Uh, it, for not having seen anything from her recently, she actually did a really good job in this match. I thought she was in it. Uh, and ultimately, there's a reason Bailey's the champ. Yeah, and it seemed to start off with Carmella actually working some holds and not going too fast, right? I think that Bailey ended up using the ring ropes a lot to her advantage. 
uh, in this situation. I don't know if that really is going to heavily favor her too much. Uh, but in the end, you know, Mello's just doing some suicide dives, things like that. Once they came back from a commercial break, ever since, or actually it was right before the commercial break, Bailey picked picked up Carmella and actually slammed her face first into the announce table. That's just dirty, man. Well, you you got an environment and you use it to your advantage. That's how you maintain your championship. And as far as using the holds and the ropes, that's that's a good start a match way to handle things. You got to feel each other out. When's the last time these two were in the ring together? I mean, I haven't seen Carmella. Well, she's in the Rumble, and that's about it. She just kind of floats in and out, but she really hasn't been doing anything. So Bailey didn't really have any tape she could view, and she had to feel her out. And Carmella probably wanted to do the same thing. It's a lot different when you're in the ring and it's live action. That's true. And Carmella actually got the code of silence on Bailey for quite some time and Bailey was smart enough and had the ability and entering ability to get out of that hold. Uh, in the end, Bailey did end up winning by using the ropes against Carmella. Naomi ended up coming out after the match and getting into Bailey's face. And then Carmella pushed Bailey from behind. Naomi kicked her, little teamwork action, and the little segment was over with Bailey leaving. Well, I do like to say that the way that Bailey got out of that hold was I've never seen anything like it. It wasn't just, I mean, I think she could have probably worked a little harder, got to the ropes, got out of it, but nah, she wanted to inflict pain at the same time, which ultimately helped her win the match and whether or not she may or may not have used leverage. I mean, she, she did, but is that what made the difference? No, she just, she just wanted to make double sure. She's just, you know, crossing those T's dotting those I's. Uh, and then, yeah, Naomi, not minding her own business, speak of someone who hasn't been relevant, comes out this time looking like cotton candy and goes to attack Bailey, who just went through a grueling match. And then Bailey gets attacked from behind. They team up on her. That's just that's Bush League. You talk about using ropes. That's not two on one after the match violence. That's just despicable. And I shouldn't be seeing that on my TV. You see, you're very passionate about that. I was pretty upset about it. Bailey's been through a lot, just having to go through the Lacey Evans attacking you everywhere from behind ordeal. And now she has to deal with Naomi bothering her, not doing it before the match when she's all rested and ready to go, waiting until she's wore out and went through a grueling match defending her title. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the future because I'm interested to know why Naomi decided to uh, come out there and why Naomi and Carmella decided to team up a little bit because you assume that they're going to be facing each other at some point when it comes to trying to figure out who's going to be facing Bailey. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they face each other next week and the winner of that match will face Bailey at Super Showdown. And who do you have, sir? I think it'll still be, oh, I want to go with Carmella. She has been a little more relevant, a little more in the mix. I mean, literally, Naomi has been vanished for like three months. I don't, maybe even longer. I don't know what she's been doing. It's, I mean, she obviously looks like she's still in shape. She's still agile. So she's had been doing something, but we don't know. Maybe she's been sitting on the beach. Maybe she hadn't been practicing wrestling. But we did see that Carmella still got the moves. She got the funk. She does still have the moves and the funk. And uh, it, it's interesting to see where this is going to turn out. And I believe we hear from uh, Carmella later on, uh, I believe, backstage. Uh, one good thing that we need to talk about here, and this is very important. Uh, I don't want to say it's one of the best parts of the night, but we do get some news uh, 
after seeing a little video of King Corbin dumping stuff on fans, hurting the people in the production truck, the King is fined and barred from competing on SmackDown. That is just ludicrous. He was provoked into that situation, not only by the fan, but by the producer that was playing those videos over and over and over again. I get it, but I didn't want to see that ever again. It happened once. That was one time too many. Don't keep playing it. And you can't just use the excuse, oh, I was just doing my job. No one cares. You have free will. And you chose to play that video. And that is just absurd that King Corbin not only couldn't compete, but he had to pay a fine. Interestingly enough, it's it's weird to me that the king of WWE would get in trouble like that. I assumed he, he had all the power that he needed, but I guess there's still people above him that can fine him and keep him from competing. It's ludicrous. And I'm going to get to the bottom of this as soon as he replies to my tweets. Well, we have 150 more episodes than I bet it's going to happen. I'm going to – hold on. Let me start my ticker. I got my pen, calendar. There's one. All right. Day one, episode one over with. Actually, this is episode two. So This is episode you only, two. You only have 148 to go. Hey. Oh, wait. I got to make that two on. Two. Nice. Okay. All right. We're so we end, up, we end up moving backstage, and we get to see Bailey getting interviewed in the back, and she is mad. Bailey's throwing her belt. Now, the interviewer goes ahead and mentions that it was a controversial win because I believe the tights were pulled. Was it not? Were they not? Uh, I think it was more the the two feet on the ropes that they're probably a little upset about. Oh, that's it. Tights weren't pulled. It was. She used the ropes. It's terrible. Terrible way. To, that's the leverage. You said there was a little bit of leverage. Well, was she disqualified or did she get the win? Yeah, she got the win. She wasn't caught. That's a ref issue again. Again, send these guys to school. Get the, they need they need to start getting better uh, better referees in this. In this. It's a sport. It's a dangerous sport. I don't know why we don't have the top talent there making sure that everything's going right and making sure that people aren't cheating. Would you uh, like to sign and try to get instant replay enacted in WWE wrestling? It's a possibility, but I do think that you know, with this being such a historic type of sport, you know, we don't want to add any asterisks to any championships. There already are asterisks. I don't know what they are, but I'm going to put some in there just for you. So Bailey, although she was upset, and who wouldn't be after such despicable actions, getting attacked by two separate individuals after a grueling child, uh, championship uh, retention, that is just absurd. And I understand why she's upset. I was upset. And she stated plainly, she's beat everybody. She's not scared of anybody, and she doesn't care who her next challenger is. She'll take on anybody. There ain't no stopping her. Nah. I like that. Nice nice way to pull that off, but I don't think that she's going to be this champion for that much longer. I, I think she's running out of – her luck's running out. Let's just say that if she has to win the way that she wins, she's not going to be winning for long. But her next – the next time she's going to be competing is for her title will be at Super Showdown, and she doesn't care who's going to be. She says no one can touch her. No one's on her level. Um, she's the role model of WWE, and we'll see what happens from there. Is she not the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion? She is, but that that's going to be dependent on her current competition. I don't think that in general amongst every champion in the past of SmackDown that she's number one. She's probably lucky that Charlotte didn't choose to go after her instead of going after the NXT title. Well, you don't become the longest reigning SmackDown women's champion 
by accident. You do that by retaining. You don't just hold on to it and go hide in a corner for 360 days or whatever it is. She has been going and going and going. And then now you saying, oh, she probably won't hold it much longer. Well, duh, you don't hold it forever. Eventually, someone's going to get one up on her. So, yeah, that's like saying, oh, it's been 364 days. Not much more time in a year. It's going to change soon. I can't believe you said well duh to me i know i can't believe i said it <laughs> that upset me a little bit you're the you're professional and this isn't the 90s sir logic dictates that the title will change hands eventually and she's had it longer than anybody's ever held that championship of course it's gonna change hands sooner rather than later that was way more poetic stick with that uh, okay. We go ahead and see the day of the Royal Rumble, which is a little, uh, I think it's a, just an advertisement or a little backstage segment. Lacey talking about the letters in her boots that she keeps from fans and it reminders why she does what she does. We then move on to Otis uh, combing himself in the back, getting prepared for this date. Uh, Otis, Otis going ahead and telling Tucky that he's getting nervous. And he wonders if Mandy could actually like him. And Tucky gives him words of encouragement. And you, if you were there, I believe that you would give him words of discouragement. Patrick? I don't know that I could do that. I couldn't couldn't do that to him personally because he could probably break me. But I do like that he wasn't combing his hair. He was combing himself. (laughs) He's got quite a bit of hair on his body and... You know, I'm just assuming that maybe we just caught him during beard combing part, but I'm sure he was combing the rest of his body as well. I, I like it. I'm, I'm I'm okay with that. So I won't even talk bad about the rest of the segment or Otis. We'll let him live in this dream world he has for a little bit longer. That's good because what happens next is terrible. We have a match with Sheamus versus Apollo Crews and Shorty G. And this is a handicap match which is something that you would think that Sheamus would lose, especially against two competitors like Apollo Crews and Shorty G, but that did not happen. Apollo comes out talking some junk as he comes out. Shorty G comes out. They're ready to go. Shorty and Apollo even start attacking before the bell. And once the once the bell starts, Shorty G's in there. But man, at the end, as beautiful as some moves that were in there, the brogue kicks happened and Sheamus ended up throwing throwing his hands up for the win. Yeah, the two-on-one attack, and it, it, Sheamus didn't even look like he was phased by it. It's like uh, Apollo and Shorty G were throwing snowballs, and Sheamus was tossing cannonballs. It, it's like a five-year-old kid going up against uh, Mike Tyson in his prime. It just didn't seem to matter what they did. He just wins when he wants to. And that's my whole issue with Shorty G. He just never learns. Why didn't he listen and take advice from Wrestling in Review? We got everything well, he needs. It's true, but he's trying to he's trying to rise above size, but it's not working because apparently the way to rise above size is to bring a friend with you. And then when the bully that you that you think is the bully or the guy that's being mean and beating you up, and then you bring your your big bad friend to help you out, and then you both get beat up. What does that do for your reputation? What does that do for you? I don't understand why Apollo would join in on this. I understand being upset about a loss, but Shorty G has been doing this week after week after week, and everybody knows how bad it makes him look. So why would Apollo want to be a part of this? Shorty G just never learns. And I just, 
I don't know what it'll take. Maybe all those broke kicks to just knock some screws loose and he doesn't know what's going on anymore. That could possibly be it. I don't know. You know, I had Shorty G's back for so long and he seemed like he was going to be climbing the ranks with as driven as he is. Uh, he had issues where he was, you know, everybody's getting on to him about his his size and it's this real inspirational story. But man, you're in the WWE. You're on Friday night SmackDown on Fox. You better step it up. You better figure out what the problem is or you better move on. That's all I'm going to say about Shorty G. So step up or get to stepping? Step up or get to stepping. I like it. I agree. We agree. We're in agreement. Motion. We are. Hey, aren't we supposed to do something every time we have an agreement? I've already started. <laughs> Did you, are you taking a drink? Is that what you're supposed to do? I, I think so. I'm, I'm drinking. All right. Well, I'm not. So we'll see where this ends up. Hopefully this won't go too long. <laughs> this is going to go south. But yeah, it's not like three episodes ago, wherever you passed out and I had to finish all your lines for you. You had a really good impression, though. I was impressed. All right. You did good. good. Making sure. So we go ahead and we switch. Moving on, we switch to the back. We see uh, Carmella getting interviewed. And Carmella's in the back saying that she deserves a rematch because of the way that Bailey, quote unquote, won that match. Do you agree that she deserves a rematch? I don't think about deserves. But it, Lacey Evans got like 36 goes at it. So why not one more? Bailey will just win anyway. Yeah, 36 goes because of the... Uh, the bullying that she was enduring. Did you throw up air bullying. quotes on that? Did, no, I did not. Did it sound like I was doing air? I did air quotes for Bailey's quote unquote win. Yeah, I don't want to say quote unquote. So I'm just going to think people have enough imagination whenever I say uh, deserves and stuff like that, where their air quotes are thrown up. You know, well, you get it. Well, you never know. Maybe on the website, we can post like time frames to where you actually are putting up air quotes and let everybody know so they can air quote with you. There's a website. There is. You made it. What? What is this website? It is www.wrestlingandreview.com and review has a W like wrestling. It's so creative. I thought so too. Check us out there. You may be listening to it here already. Who knows? But it's on there. Uh, we got a, our email address on there if you guys want to send an email. Not to break this up, but I thought that should be mentioned. Yeah, go ahead and mention it. We don't have any sponsors yet. So at some point, we're going to have to start faking sponsorships so people think we're legit. This episode brought to you by Oxygen. We breathe it. <laughs> anyway, now... And that initial Otis clip, I just want to cut back to that. Didn't he get a text or something saying that Mandy was going to be running late? Uh, he might have. I did not write that down, but it's a possibility. If you heard it, I'm sure that's what happened. But I don't think she was late, was she? No, she beat him. It's like he's clearly on the low end of the spectrum here on the scale of hotness. He is not uh, playing in his area, he's he's shooting for the stars on this one. So don't you think you ought to at least be the first one there? Maybe he's trying to be fashionably late. You know, he lacks fashion. So maybe being late is the only type of fashion that he can do. I know that directly after the Car Carmella interview, we go ahead and flip. And luckily, they brought some cameras to the date because somebody showed up and, you know, they're recording Mandy Rose showing up to the restaurant. It's because no one else believed it was going to happen except you, apparently. So they had to have proof. I believe in love, Patrick, and I knew that it was going to happen. You could believe. Yeah. Uh, you know what they say. Don't count the ostrich eggs before they hatch. 
isn't it ostrich egg? Do they lay more than one? I imagine they're pretty large, but I think there's probably multiple ones. Speaking, at least over time. Speaking of ostrich eggs, <laughs> I can't. All right, yeah, I can't segue. We see a video of Goldberg, a video package, and some stuff that he's talking about, you know, been have some issues with The Fiend. I believe we discussed that before. I'm interested to see that match. But then we go to the immortal, the man, the legend, the Hall of Famer, Hulk Hogan in an interview. Yeah, and Hulk was very complimentary uh, to Bill Goldberg. And I don't... I don't know. Maybe he's just been out of it for too long. He says he's been back in the back. He's felt the vibes. But if he still thinks that Goldberg is the favorite to win this match, he's clearly starting to lose uh, his wrestling acumen. He is not as into it as he thinks he is because Bill is not going to stand a chance against the Fiend. What is this? What is this bill word you keep throwing around? What, what's your issue with calling him Goldberg? Uh, no, I was just trying to stay consistent with uh, Mr. Hogan, who would kept saying Bill, Bill Goldberg. He also was talking about he acknowledged that he thinks the NWO being acknowledged for the Hall of Fame is strong. Very strong. Uh, OK, what? You not agree that the NWO needs to be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, yeah, eventually. I mean, it must have been a, a, a kind of a slow year for people that they, they just really couldn't find anybody. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess they had to make it eventually. Wow. But in the end, in the NWO, like 672 different people, though. There there was <laughs> there was quite the list at some point. I, uh, I'm glad we don't have to do a show over that because I couldn't imagine telling you everybody who just came to the ring. <laughs> yeah so uh, we don't have to focus on that uh the one thing i did notice though is uh bray decided to talk to hulk genius the way that he came into that was oh it, it i'm was. not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie throwing the old nwo commercial out there or their uh, promos they used to do uh, that was hilarious i i you know i love bray wyatt's fun you know i love the firefly funhouse my kids love it you know, it's such a fantastic time. And I think he came out and really, really threw some humor in there like he always does. He's such a nice guy. He really is. And well, I wish I could remember. I should have wrote down exactly what he said about just a couple hunky dudes talking about muscles, something along those lines. Just a five star red hot hunks. <laughs> Talk about muscles and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that was genius. He's just so good at what he does. I wish I wish the fiend didn't have to come in and do stuff because, uh, you know, Bray himself is just a great host and just a all around great personality. It is. I think the fiend sort of taints the the loving charm of Bray Wyatt's Firefly Funhouse. It's such a sweet show. We even got to see Huskus. Yes. Yeah, got to see Huskus, and he looks up to what he seems to look up to the the five star red hot hunks. But then he just in the end just really wants some chocolate. It's tough. I mean, I want some chocolate. Not everybody could be Bray. Did you hear Bray say he hopes it's not too sweet? <laughs> Again, just a great personality. But, you know, I think about it. Maybe he's only able to have that fun-loving, great personality because he knows that the Fiend will protect him. He does. And in the end, uh, Hulk kind of fires back and says Bray's funny, but Goldberg ain't no joke. And then Bray says he doesn't need any luck. 
he has a fiend and things get serious for a minute. And he tells Hulk that if Hulk isn't careful, there can always be room for one more. And he shows a picture of Hulk Hogan being a, having his all, you know, eyes and mouth colored in much like the fiend does to all of his victims. Very intimidating. And it clearly scared the Hulk who was at home in Florida and still got right off the interview. And I don't blame him because that is scary. I don't want to mess with the fiend, but the Hulk shouldn't have thrown out what sounded Sounded kind of like a, a threat, saying that Goldberg's no joke. Has Bray ever said he was a joke? No. He didn't. You're right. You know, but that that's how Hulk is. Hulk's protecting protecting the industry he's come up with. And, you know, and he's been he's been a part of the sport for quite a long time. And he's had some legend he had a legendary battle with Goldberg, you know, for the belt. So I think part of Goldberg winning is protecting part of Hulk Hogan's legacy as well. You know, you lose to somebody, you hope they're the best ever. That's what you do. And I think that's why, and he also doesn't understand The Fiend. The Fiend is scary. Now, Hulk Hogan's been through a lot of scary things, including The Undertaker, when The Undertaker first came about. And the Hulk's been through a lot of scary things, a lot of supernatural situations, and I don't think he's ever seen still anything like The Fiend. And I don't don't think that he has the experience with the fiend to properly discuss it. He can talk about Goldberg. He's had matches with Goldberg. He's been in the ring. He's felt what it's like to go against Goldberg, but he doesn't have any idea what it's like to go against the fiend. Maybe he needs to talk to Daniel Bryan, the Miz and the Miz didn't even go against the fiend. He just got to feel the effects of what the fiend can do. So maybe uh, Mick Foley, who else is even on that? Kane. Ask all these people and see what they say. And I don't think he'll be as confident and he won't be throwing around threats like he has. There's a good chance, you know, but I don't, you know, we'll just have to see where this goes. He, I'm excited for the Goldberg Fiend match. I'm excited to see such a unstoppable force go against another unstoppable force to be honest that's you know Goldberg and and the Fiend that's a hell of a matchup and I'm excited to see it and speaking of excited I bet you were quite excited for this next this next segment where we had Sammy and Cesaro in the ring with a guitar and a cowbell getting ready to put on a protest concert sir it's a ukulele was that a ukulele yeah that's what they call tiny guitars I think there's a ukulele, and then I think there's a tiny guitar. No, this was, Maybe a, this was, was a ukulele. It was. I've seen the rock play one. Well, I know what they are. I'm not going to do any crack research over this. I know that was a cowbell, though. It was, and we needed less of it. I appreciate Cesaro's vigor, but we definitely needed less cowbell. Now, I knew you were going to be. I knew you were going to be on the side of less cowbell. How dare you, sir? What did you want more? How do you have Absolutely. a protest concert where all you hear is cowbell over and over and over again with vigor and vim? Well, I think they started the protest concert and they were going to use a ton of cowbell, but in the end, there was no cowbell because Cesaro and Sammy, mainly Sammy, the great liberator, feels that they are victims of injustice from Elias and Braun Strowman. They think that WWE has had some inaction towards their cause. And Sammy begins to start up his protest song, checking his pitch, amazingly. And then Elias, the real musician, interrupts him. I I can't argue with you. He is the real musician. He's, He's an extreme talent. 
but you figure he would understand what it's like to be interrupted over and over and over again. And instead of being understanding and helping stop the injustice of the interrupting all the time, the New Day, Sammy, Elias, Braun, everybody keeps interrupting. We can stop this. But no, he just keeps doing it. He keeps perpetrating this horrible rudeness. And I never even got to hear much of a song because even though he came in after interrupting and Sammy invited him right in to view up close and personal, he, he told the security guards, move out of the way. Come see this protest song up front. And he still didn't get to do it. So after this, after Elias comes out, he goes ahead and tells everybody that he was actually napping in the back. Elias was taking a nap. I'm sure he's a traveling musician. He's a wrestler. He's got a lot of stuff on his plate. So he was napping in the back and actually got a call from, I believe, a famous hockey player off the Canucks, right? I don't know Canada. I mean, who does? <laughs> People from Canada don't know Canada. Well, it's uh, I believe it's Elias Pat Pedersen. And he told he told Elias to actually stop this protest that's going on in the ring. Just stop it. And so Elias decided he's going to go out there and take care of it because everyone in Vancouver knows the universal truth. Oh, the WWE stands for what was it? I believe it's walk with Elias, sir. Oh, yeah. So WWE stands for. <laughs> walk with Elias. He does it twice too. I'm sorry. I just Yeah, no, he did. And you and you actually got me to do it. That's amazing. So so what you're saying is there was now a protest concert for a protest concert? There was. It was actually – Elias was out there counter-protesting. Sammy was there telling everybody to shut up, and he was mad about Elias interrupting the protest. But Elias countered with, hey, I'm counter-protesting you. And then Sammy actually let Elias come into the ring. Uh, they decide to start doing the concert. The cowbell starts. Sammy's telling everybody to hold on because he needs. To, he's telling the crowd he, they need to shut their mouths. And they take two, and the cowbell starts again. And then that's whenever Sammy – decides that there needs to be less cowbell. Can you believe that? Less cowbell. You can believe it because you wanted it too. Yeah. I, I Like I said, I appreciate the vim and vigor he put into it, but it was excessive. We need to keep a beat. We need to flow with the melody. And he was not doing that. He was creating his own concert and he realized that he was drowning out the star and he took care of it. He went from too much to none at all. And that's better than too much. Well, in the end, you got what you wanted. Cesaro threw away the cowbell, and the crowd decides that uh, they're going to start doing their little song, which was, you know, Walk with Elias, right? And they did that a couple times. Sammy starts deciding to stop the concert, which the crowd loved. I guess you didn't, but he decides that that's what's going to happen. Cesaro attacks Elias, and then guess what? Strowman comes out. Strowman breaks through the security, chases Sammy. Security punches Strowman in the back, then runs. And Elias ends up taking a uh, a nice shot at the security guard who did that. And then they throw him out. Yeah, I feel bad for that security guard. He's just trying to do his job. Someone not only interrupted the protest concert and the protest of the protest concert, but he interrupted and then tried to attack people. And he was trying to do his job. And what do they do? They make him fly. He didn't wake up thinking he could fly, but apparently he can fly. Yes, he can. I think that Strowman could make anybody fly. That dude could probably throw a jumbo jet. That guy is gigantic, and he's incredibly strong. Yes, it is not something I wish to 
uh, feel anytime. So I am not going to say anything bad because I don't want you to tweet him. <laughs> well, I don't know. You're throwing me under the bus with King Corbin. It's different. He's royalty. Yeah, but you're going to throw me under the bus 150 times. 150. I'll do what it takes. And that's what you told me it'll take. Yeah. All right. Well, don't, you know, he's going to show up at my restaurants. That's going to upset me. He's from my hometown. That's okay. We'll be there together eating. And he'll be like, hey, you guys that, are you those guys from Wrestling in Review, your weekly wrestling recap? I'm like, yeah, Patrick. He's like, good. And then he'll just like throw you out and then we'll eat barbecue yeah. together. It, that That's what's going to happen. Then you're going to be a member of his court. I just know it's going to happen. Oh, I can't wait. So skipping ahead after this, we do see Naomi getting interviewed in the back. She wants a title shot because she has never been, she was never beaten for her title. So she wants that title shot. Um, so does everybody else that professionally wrestles. If you're in the WWE, you're in it for a title. Unless you're Shorty G, apparently you're in it to lose. So of course she wants it. I still can't get over how she looks like cotton candy, though. Such a cheap shot. As Shorty G. I mean, I'm upset at him, too. I just he's got to do something. He just cannot keep losing like this and, and keep a reputation. But I'm not going to get back into Shorty G. That's just going to frustrate me. We're going to go ahead. And move ahead. We're going to go ahead and move ahead. And we see Mandy patiently waiting at the restaurant. We also hear. Huh? One thing about uh, Naomi. She said that Bailey is scared to face her. But quite literally, earlier in the night, Bailey said she doesn't care who she faces next. So somebody isn't paying attention. Bailey's not scared of her. Bailey's not scared of anybody. So she's just saying stuff. She's throwing out those those phrases, trying to get people to think that she's scaring Bailey. No, she's not scaring anybody except maybe, I don't know, people that are scared of bright colors or cotton candy. That Bailey of course is going to say that because she's just talking junk. She's not, she doesn't really feel like that. She's kind of a, you see how she throws fits when she has to get into matches. She throws fits. She throws like, like a baby. She throws fists when she has to get in matches. Oh, we can go on to the date now. <laughs> Clever turn of phrase. Well, I was like, as I was saying, Mandy was patiently waiting. Then we actually get to learn, as you mentioned earlier, that next week we're going to have Naomi versus Carmella. Interested to see that match. So next week we're also going to have Goldberg live. So we'll be able to see Goldberg in person. We'll be able to talk about that and recap that. And then speaking of recap, we get a little recap of Mandy and Otis and their blossoming love that we've gotten to see together and seeing them to grow into what's Coming up next, which is Otis showing up to the restaurant to meet with Mandy for their loving date. Pity date. Pity date. You can say pity date all you want. It's not true. That is that is that's love if I've ever seen it. So we're just gonna drop this bomb right now. And I'm since it's Valentine's Day and it's all lovey and dovey, like you said, I'm gonna do it in poetic form. Do not be late, or Dolph will steal your date. That's absolutely amazing and right and correct. But I don't know if that's truly what happened. We do see Dolph as Otis is kind of prepping. He's nervous. He's hesitating. He's got his flowers. He's looking great, but he just keeps – he just – he can't believe it's true, obviously. And so he just – he doesn't know if he's ready and he doesn't want to blow it. In the end, Dolph shows up while Otis is hesitating and then Otis sees them sitting together. He sees them sitting together, but even she was as surprised to see Dolph as anybody else. And I bet she didn't ask Dolph to sit down. I bet he just sat down. 
Yeah, I I probably agree with that, but it's Dolph Ziggler. The show off. He's going to do what he wants. And he wants to sit down and have dinner with Mandy Rose. Who's going to stop him? Clearly not Otis. Because, like I said, only person to believe this date was going to happen was you. Not even Otis believed it was happening. Or he would have went up and said something, but he didn't. Because he had his doubts. Because he knew that he didn't belong here. So he just left. Dropped his roses and left. Sad. It was sad to see that man. See him, see him sad like that. I mean, he's a good guy. You can tell that he cared a lot. You can tell that, uh, you know, he's trying his best to be suave, but he ends up just kind of dancing weirdly with cake usually. So it's tough to see. No one, no one needs that. Yeah. So it's tough to see what's going to happen next, but I'm excited to see, I guess, where it turns to, you know, I wish Otis the best. I hope that him and Mandy can resolve this so you can see their love blossom. That's, that's, that's what I want to see. What I've seen is. Otis get his hopes up. Dolph comes in, squashes a fruitcake. Otis gets his hopes up. Dolph gets the date in the end. It's how fairy tales work. Prince Charming always gets the date. Not, not, this isn't Shrek. The ogre didn't get the date this time. That's a really good analogy, to be honest. That's great. I love it. I love it when I catch you off guard because there's just, there's giggling and a pause. I I enjoy doing that. And I think everybody else enjoys it too. Most of the time, it's, it's less of you catching me off guard, more of me knowing where you're going and seeing if you're actually going to do that. (laughs) So it makes me chuckle whenever I like the moment you say Prince Charming, I'm like, is he going to call the guy Shrek? (laughs) And then you call the guy Shrek. You know, I just, it happens, I guess. Nothing's off limit here at wrestling in review. It absolutely isn't. And finally, let's go ahead and move on past the heartbreak, past the sadness. I'll try and move on with my life here. But, you know, I I hope those two kids work it out and Dolph just goes away. But let's go ahead and move on to the main event. So rude. Yes. To the main event where we have the A-team, John Morrison and Miz versus Roman and his mystery partner. Now, we don't get a match right away. We actually see Miz and John Morrison decide they want to come out and talk a little junk about the Usos. I'm still living in the past where John Morrison uh, and the Miz did their uh, dirt sheet. And Morrison says, my shirt has buttons, but I don't use them. I have decided to live my life that way. Nobody else enjoys it but me. But if Morrison said it, there's something to go by there. I'll tell you what, as much as I don't like the type of people that Miz and Morrison are, Morrison kind of, he riles me up a little bit. He, he yells at the crowd to not boo the Miz. They talk about how, you know, Miz talks about how he's been there for, what, 15 years? And he's he's there. He's always there. And then Morrison goes, I've been here for one month, and I'm also always here. It's not wrong. It's true. Absolutely true, but I could not help but laugh at that. That was that was hilarious, and that's just what you get when you get. Although I don't like the way that they play in the ring, uh, that's some that's some charismatic stuff that John Morrison is. Well, and it's also the point is is Roman Reigns had to have a mystery partner because not even his cousins want to be around him anymore. They they were saying that the Usos have only been back for a month and they're already gone again, but Morrison has been back for the same amount of time. And he's still here. That's true. And they also decided that they were going to label themselves the greatest tag team of the 21st century. Now, whether or not you believe that, I think that they they have a lot to prove before they can do that. There are a bunch of tag teams, you know, like the New Day, who are probably one of the greatest 
tag teams of the 21st century. Yeah, I think that they're right. And they took like eight years off and they're still right. That's that's what's so amazing about this is they're such a great tag team and they haven't been together and they were apart for eight years and then just fell right back in, started beating people, get a tag team championship match. They're going to win the match. They're going to be SmackDown tag team champions. But the point I want to bring up is how many people is Roman Reigns going to ruin before it's all said and done? I don't even know who this Misty partner is going to be, but I already know that he's going to not fare better for being uh, allied with Roman. This is, he just needs to leave it alone. Oh, wait. Did, did uh, Roman come out and interrupt him? I feel like he interrupted. I don't even remember. I just assume he did because it's Roman and he's rude. Yeah, Roman comes out. His music hits. Uh, they have a little, you know, flashback to Corbin's humiliation and how Corbin asked for one more match, which he got in a steel cage. They're going to have a steel cage match, and that's going to be great to see. It's about time Roman can't use any more flunkies. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's about time the court stays out of everybody's business. The court's going on dates and making sure Otis isn't trying to live a fairy tale. I don't think we have anything to worry about. This is the worst. They're the worst. This is if this was a, some sort of you know this king regime. It's terrible. These are just a bunch of just mean jerky people. Why are you so mean to them? What do they ever do to you? They're just mean stepping on fruit cakes, and you're just like, oh, it's for the best. Can't let Mandy date somebody like him. There's probably roaches in there. Yes, we've discussed this. You're terrible. My goodness. Don't get so riled up. You're just talking about the king of WWE, who, by the way, he showed up because not only did he get fined, but he purchased a ticket with his own money. That is true. First thing we see is Roman's mystery partner come out, which is actually Daniel Bryan. And that's great to see Bryan back, you know, kind of settling in. He's changed a lot or I feel like he's changed since he had his fights with The Fiend. But it's good to see him back in action and not just beating up somebody who's got kids. Dang, man, he's got kids. He's just got kids. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> and But yeah. Sorry. I just I'm worried about his him having kids and Daniel Bryan just going around beating him up. But on top of that, did Roman just run out of family? I told you not even his family likes him. No one likes him. I think Daniel just came out because he wanted to beat somebody else up that doesn't deserve it. Maybe, but that's, I don't think they don't deserve it, but we'll go ahead and move on and say, yes, King Corbin with his, all of his almighty power in the WWE was able to buy a ticket and get the best seat in the house and showed up in the crowd. See how cush that seat was. Only royalty gets a seat like that. Front row comes in for the main event only. That is being a king right there. You don't you don't suffer through the shorty G's of the world. You come in for the main event and you sit front row in the cushiest of chairs. <laughs> and it was the cushiest of chairs. That was a that was a great seat. And so the main event actually starts. Uh Reigns and Morrison begin in the ring. You know, Roman kept the pressure on a lot. We got to see a lot of exciting things. Daniel Bryan was really relentless in this match. It was good to see him, you know, really working for the good side right now and beating up on people who do deserve it. Then we see uh, Roman just couldn't take his eyes. You know, he was breaking our number one rule, which was get distracted, and he was focusing on Corbin. And, you know, Miz took advantage of that during the match. I like that you mentioned the number one rule. Usually it's me, so I appreciate you acknowledging that there is a number one rule here at Wrestling in Review. Don't get distracted. Don't pay attention to anybody outside the ring, especially a fan sitting in the front row. They paid 
top dollar for those tickets to see you compete, not for you to have them stare at them and, and yell at them and mouth them. Roman is horrible at what he does. He needs to focus on the match at hand and do what he does and make sure the people stay entertained, not yell at the people. What's next? Is he going to dump a drink on somebody's head and then watch? He won't get suspended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that apparently only the king gets suspended for that. They're jealous. But in this match, we did get to see, almost got to see a skull-crushing fr- finale, but Brian's, uh, Daniel Bryan broke it up, and then we get a super fan punch, a spear, and a win, and then your king decides to run into the match and use his scepter on Roman Reigns. Because <laughs> King Corbin does what King Corbin wants. You said there's someone above him. How'd they stop him? They didn't stop him. And not only did they not stop him, after he handled his business in the ring, he went and sat on his throne, the second cushiest chair in the building. So oh, SmackDown ended after that. And, you know, ended probably with what you love to see, which is Corbin getting the last laugh. Sitting on his throne looking regal and being the king that he is of the WWE. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was how it should end because it started horribly and ended perfectly. Actually, I mean, it started wonderfully with the moment of bliss, but I'm talking about them not allowing King Corbin in. So you get it. I'm sure every, I'm sure everybody knows what you're talking about because they know exactly where you're, everybody knows where your allegiances lie. Everybody knows. Just because I might be a celebrity eventually. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. All right, so we'll go ahead and we'll move on to what some would call the A show. I don't know if it is anymore. It's Monday Night Raw, and they're actually in Everett, Washington for this particular night. You're right. It is a show. It's a show. And it starts (laughs) off, we actually see Randy Orton coming to the ring. And as the announcers say, he's coming to address uh, the WWE Universe about whatever Randy Orton wants to talk about. During this time, the announcers go ahead and tell us that we're we're going to see tonight McIntyre versus MVP. We're going to see, I'm guessing something you're hoping to see, a sermon from the Monday Night Messiah, a sermon. Those aren't his words. We'll learn that later, but yes, a sermon. You're, you're then- really painting it like he's this very self-absorbed individual who's having a sermon to to speak to the masses. No, he just wanted some time to explain everything to everybody because now we're shifting to phase two. And I don't want to get into it too much, but don't make him look bad because those were not his choices. He was forced into a situation by everybody, by you, by me, by the powers that be. He was forced into a situation. So don't talk down on him like that. When we come to the sermon, I'll let you know exactly why those were his words. And it's because he was yelling that it's his sermon. All right. We're not going to talk about it anymore. I'm moving on. <laughs> moving on. Becky will be – Becky's going to be talking tonight as well. So let's go ahead and move on to Randy Orton still walking to the ring. And you can tell that Orton is quite aware of the crowd booing and chanting that he sucks. Without saying a word, he points to the video of last Monday where he attacked Matt Hardy. I'm going to lay this out for you because this I have the most notes of any segment I've ever had for wrestling interview about this segment, because I have been waiting three weeks to hear Randy Orton's reasons for what he did to Edge. I want to know why. And then he comes out and the crowd won't shut up. 
they keep booing. And so he's like, you know what? I can't do this right now. He's clearly hurting. And this is why I got back in Randy Orton's corner, because he clearly has a reason and he wants to tell us. And then he comes out again the next week. And then Matt Hardy comes out and interrupts him and gives this whole long spiel about blah, 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 and never gives Randy a chance to talk. And so I was thinking what Randy was clearly thinking. You need to shut up. Here's an RKO. Here's a concerto. Now he can't talk. Now he can't walk. And then he leaves because it's just too much. So here's our chance. No crowd, no Matt. It's Randy's turn. And someone didn't learn their lesson. I cannot believe you. Absolutely not. As soon as I don't think you're going to go any further, you are actually taking Orton's side. Ridiculous. This is this is absolutely fascinating to me. I can't wait to hear you discuss this just a little bit longer so you can hear how little you're making sense right now. He's Orton. sorry. Truly sorry. He said it. I can't wait to hang out with you next time in person, punch you in the face over and over again, telling you that I'm sorry and you can't do anything about it because, damn it, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's going to happen. Apparently, we can't hang out anymore because I don't want to get punched in the face. <laughs> Regardless of- I'm going to be apologizing the whole time. Oh. Oh, goodness. Well, so Orton's, or, Orton gets more chance after the video. He discusses the no holds bar match that's supposed to have uh, no holds barred match that's supposed to happen tonight versus Matt, saying it's not going to happen. Matt Hardy's not getting cleared. Orton said that the Hardys have been to the highest highs and the lowest lows. And as you said, someone didn't learn their lesson from last week. You can say that. But I think that it's because he's trying to learn more about what's going on. Hardy comes out, he's got a neck brace on. He says not to talk about him, but to talk about Edge. Everybody wants to know. He wants to know, why would you take away Edge's second chance? And what in the hell is wrong with you, Randy? What's wrong? So you talk about me and how absurd I am, but you and Matt are the most absurd here because he comes out and says, you need to tell us about Edge. Why don't you tell us about Edge? You need to tell us why you did that to Edge. But the whole time he's talking and Randy clearly came out to say that three weeks running and no one will let him talk. Who's the absurd one? Just let Randy say what Randy needs to say. You don't need to come out and tell him to say it because that's what his plan was. What the hell? Matt says he came to fight and Randy can't take his passion from him. Doctors won't clear him. Him and Edge always get back up and he's not going to let Randy determine that future. Randy begins to threaten him. Hardy goes into the ring, not scared. Randy's still threatening, saying, what are you going to do? What could you do? I can RKO you right now. What could you do? Randy has plenty of time to talk. He's not taking the chance to say what happened. Instead, he's taking everything out with violence because he's a psychopath with voices in his head. I don't think he's a psychopath at all. I think he's a veteran of this industry, a highly respected wrestler, and someone who clearly did something for a reason that eventually we'll hear. Now, he's sorry. That's what makes me think that it's such... I mean, how many times you could see the pain in his face and how many times did he say he was sorry? How many times did he drop an RKO on Matt and say he was sorry? Hit him with the chair, say he was sorry. He was clearly sorry. And... He did something to Edge for a reason that has torn him up inside. And I want to know why. And I'm sure it's a great reason. I'm sure that you're going to feel you're going to have what is it, like egg on your face or whatever they say. You're going to feel really embarrassed when you when he finally gets to say his reasons. 
You think that. You think I'm going to have egg on my face, but the yolk's on you, buddy, because Randy did explain what, what his reasoning was, but he said no one would ever understand, and that was his explanation. He said that. No one will ever understand why he did what he did. He respects Edge, loves him like a brother, and he's truly sorry. But that's it. That's the only explanation you're getting out of him. That's it. Uh, Concerto shot down in. He's going to come back and forth. More Concerto on the steps, Patrick. The steps. I I think he may have taken Matt Hardy's fire. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he he did. I think he took a lot of people's fire. That was terrible to watch. I I feel so bad. I'm so worried about Matt Hardy and whether or not he's going to survive this. Does it not seem like whenever Randy Orton says he's sorry, like like it looks like he's about to throw up, like the body motion? He's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he's very passionate about his sorries, man. Well, it's clear that it's true. It's coming from his soul. And he said it when he was leaving. He's still sorry. I hope that, you know, Matt Hardy isn't severely injured. Clearly he is. But hopefully it's not like life threatening because I, I don't want to see that. I still like Matt Hardy. He still is. You know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. So I don't want to see that happen to him. But he needs to learn his lessons, just like Rey Mysterio and all this stuff he's been doing. They're not the men they once were. It's time to slow it down a little bit. Maybe not tempt fates when you're wearing a neck brace and go after Randy Orton, who's clearly internally inflicted. That is not, and I said internally conflicted. Don't do that. So hopefully he's learned his lesson. Well, we come back from – they have a break after this these concerto shots. We come back. The, apparently, the announcers agree with me because they are discussing how barbaric Randy is and he has no excuses. And then Matt Hardy is sent to the hospital. And at that point, yes, I, I hope – you know, shout out to you, Matt. I hope you recover well. Sooner rather than later. No shout out from Patrick, obviously. No, because I already – You deserved what you got. I already said, although he may deserve it. I don't want to see him, you know, with a lasting injury. I don't want to see anything life-threatening. I want to see him get better and then retire and go to the Hall of Fame. And maybe he can start a wrestling school or something. Maybe. So we're going to go ahead and move on to a match. All right. Now, this is the first match of the night. And it it's a doozy because we've seen these two uh, competitors fight some of the hardest competitions. We've seen them fight a lot, or a lot of local competitors, a lot of people making their name. Eric Rowan versus Alistair Black. I don't know if whenever you heard about this match, if you were as excited as I was, but I was pretty excited. I was pretty excited. And the one thing I noticed before it started is neither men, neither man seemed worried about each other or cage things. They just they didn't care. They I I would be worried going against Rowan, but after seeing some of these black masses out of nowhere. I'd be worried about Black. So it was just, they just didn't care. And in the beginning of the match, it seemed like maybe Black was, uh, he was outmatched. And like Shayna, he may have bitten off more than he can chew. It did seem to come off that way. Rowan was definitely getting the upper hand in the beginning. But, you know, we end up going after we see a match for a while. We go to a break, come back, and Black is just teeing off on Rowan. Now, Rowan's able to turn the tides a little bit with a power slam at one point, and he, was end up, he ended up staying in control, you know, beating up Alistair, really breaking him down, slamming into the barricade even a couple times. But in the end, the Black Mass was there. Uh, the Black Mass initially got caught. The Iron Claw got stopped. Then Rowan did a nice big boot and a power bomb, and I thought it was done at that point. But Black kicked out. Then Rowan set up for the claw again, and we get a Black Mass. And then Rowan caught himself on the ropes, actually got back up, and we see a second Black Mass. Game over. How crazy is it that he wasn't just out after that first Black Mass? 
That is a durable individual. I think the ropes helped him out a lot. I think he was done. But he stood back up eventually under his own muscles. Like he 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 wasn't gone. He wasn't able to stop a second black mass, but he was able to get up. So that man is something else. And I am glad that uh, Black was the one going against him because those local competitors clearly don't stand a chance. Well, they don't. But it's good to see that Alistair is going after people like we told him to. He's going to knock on doors. He picked a hell of a comp- competitor and Eric Rowan and he came out on top. Alistair just needs to keep pushing, keep plugging away. And then we're going to see hopefully some big things from him. Well, it's a little... I just, I'm just curious where he's going to go from there because that's a pretty high mountain to jump to. So if he's picking fights, I'm actually really interested to see who's next. Yep. And speaking of next or NXT, Charlotte Flair actually comes to the ring. And I don't know if you watched this or checked it out. We don't really talk about NXT yet too much on the show. Uh, but Charlotte Flair actually showed up to the NXT TakeOver and showed them who the queen was. And she went ahead and challenged uh, Rhea Ripley for the title at WrestleMania. I don't even know who Rhea Ripley really thinks she is. Charlotte built the women's division in NXT. It wouldn't be what it is, as prestigious as it is, without her there when she was there. And so now she's talking like Charlotte wasn't already hasn't already done everything that she wants to do. That's just ludicrous. So it, it really is surprising that Charlotte's going to lower herself down to the level of Rhea Ripley, but she is, she is the queen and she does what she wants and she wants every title, maybe all at once, who knows, but she's going after that at WrestleMania and she got booed. And what I realized is, you know, people don't hate the good. They hate the great. So they're going to keep hating. I believe you have an affinity for royalty. It seems that you only like King Corbin. You only like Queen Flair. You only like Goddess Bliss. Like, you are... I, I'm going to start calling myself, like, Sultan Chris. Just, and see if you'll maybe show me a little respect. Just wait till we get to the Kabuki Warriors and I talk about a pirate princess. <laughs> oh, yeah. A pirate princess and an empress. You're just... I mean, you're just in hog heaven there, but I am, and it, it'll show later, I promise. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and after Charlotte you know, talks about that, says she's going to humble Rhea at the WrestleMania at WrestleMania. And we'll see if that happens. And do you think, honestly, from your point of view, you've seen Rhea Ripley, you actually know that she's an amazing competitor. Do you think she stands a chance against someone who has been at the top of their game for quite some time? Like Charlotte Flair. I think she'll give her all and, and she'll get, she'll get some shots in. I just, you can't see me go up against the queen, especially when a title's on the line. I'll never bet against Charlotte when the title's on the line. I don't think anybody ever should. She's just going to keep counting them up. She'll catch it. She's going to catch up to R-Truth at some point. Speaking of R-Truth, wasn't he up next? (laughs) He was. And I swear to you, I swear that wasn't planned. I know we do some crazy segues in this, but that was not planned. But yes, we have a triple threat match between R-Truth. Riddick Moss and Mojo Riley. Yeah, I I can't believe the betrayal from Riddick Moss to to steal the belt off of Mojo. But I didn't thought about it and said, hey, there are no friends when it comes to the 24-7 championship. Yeah, there are no friends. But man, that friendship ended quickly. We saw we saw that happen. It seemed like five minutes. We had, you know, we had Riddick Moss protecting 
and then he just went ahead and backstabbed him. Mojo, what friends are you picking, sir? I don't think he was picking friends. He was picking employees. And not everybody's probably set to be a boss. So maybe he'll do better. Maybe he'll pick a friend next time if he has any left, because there are no friendships when you own the 24-7 championship. Now, this was it wasn't a long match, but it was a good match. There was some shots taken. And what I brought out of the match ultimately, and you can you can drop your dime on this if you want, but Moss is very opportunistic. He waited for the perfect chance, took it and retained. That's true. Moss actually surprises me. I I didn't know a lot about him before him coming into uh, the WWE, but you know, apparently I think that he's going to he has a chance to go somewhere. You know, I think my big takeaway was seeing Truth give almost a nod to his childhood favorite wrestler of all time when he goes ahead and does Cena's Cena's signature and tries to do his finishing move. This has been very confusing to me for a long time. I just, I feel like I was watching R-Truth wrestle before Cena, but maybe maybe he just had access to some of his matches that I didn't have access to. I don't know. I just feel like I've been watching R-Truth forever. Maybe it's just because he's that good. I don't know. Maybe, but yeah, no, I mean, if he's saying that it, he was, you know, watched him as a kid, then I guess that's the truth, right? He wouldn't, he wouldn't lie to us. No, Absolutely. Now, not. after the match, Mojo is clearly upset because he got one-upped and bested again by a former employee, but he needs to watch his temper because our truth is no one to mess with. He is like a 672-time 24-7 champion. He is the real deal. He is. And, you know, Mojo decided to yell at Truth and give him some give him the business. And Truth takes out Mojo. That's just what happened. I'm sorry, Mr. Mojo. We I believe that you have the ability to go really far in this business. But, man, you need to protect yourself. You need to pick better employees to protect you and go ahead and start pushing for more than letting our truth take you out. Mojo, I got one question for you. What's up? Nice. Speaking of what's up, next up. We have the sexy Scotsman, Drew McIntyre in MVP. So Drew, Drew's music hits. He starts coming to the ring and he starts talking about everyone being fired up. Everyone's getting fired up. There's 48, there's only 48 days till WrestleMania. And now he has everybody point at the sign because that is what you do because WrestleMania is upon us. We're on the road to WrestleMania. And then he tells you, guess what? I don't know how you are with geography, sir, but did you know that Suplex City is located in Claymore Country? I had no idea, but it's because I've always avoided Claymore Country. So, of course, I'm not going to stumble across Suplex City. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to visit that city. It's crazy. It hurts. And I'm sure Claymore hurts just as much. Or more, maybe. I don't know. I'm sure it all hurts. Those are some big individuals. Now, he is interrupted by Paul Heyman, who is a very confident advocate. And it kind of bothers me, but then I understand it because it's really easy to be tough when you got Brock at your back. When you're throwing the Brock parties, no one's going to mess with you. Boy, that's true. And then after go after Paul... Let's, you know, he does his normal introduction speech and announces Brock Lesnar, but nothing happens. And that's because Paul was just kidding. He just wanted everybody to know how the announcement will sound after Ricochet 
at Super Showdown and after Drew McIntyre loses at WrestleMania. That's how he thinks it's going to sound. Drew goes ahead and tells Paul that uh, he can say Brock's name anytime he wants. He just wants he just says to say it when Drew takes that title of him and Brock is crying. I think Brock Lesnar cries. No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't either, Drew. I don't think Brock's big... had an emotion since 1982. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Was he born then? I I assume. Uh, I assume he was, but I could be wrong. I doubt it. He was probably alive, and that was the last time he showed emotion. Probably, because, you know, but Paul says he's not there to debate, to debate and he's actually a huge admirer. But guess who's not an admirer? I'll tell you who, and he's coming. It's MVP. <laughs> oh, I I like MVP and and Brock was born in 77, so yes, he was he was 5 years old last time he showed emotion. Patrick, did you just do crack research? I did. I shouldn't have, but I I had to know cuz knowledge is power. Yeah, but <laughs> it is. But you're not supposed to do the research till after the show. I'm sorry. That's my fault. I shouldn't have done it, but now we know. And we have to we we can't take it back, so we must move on from it. We are moving on, and as I said, he's coming. MVP decides to come to the ring, and he said he's had an issue with Drew. Drew's an old friend. He invited Drew to the lounge, and how did Drew repay him? And Drew tells him, hey, you know, I know how I repaid you. I kicked your head off, and he kicked his head off, and he did, and he really, he gave him a nice claymore right to the face. MVP decides he doesn't want any cheap shots, but then he decides to cheap shot Drew. No, I don't really like this because he said, that Drew gave him a cheap shot. How do you get cheap shotted by a move that has its own countdown? <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. And I I just I do like to see that MVP got his work visa and he's now wrestling in Claymore Country. <laughs> I'm glad he's allowed in Claymore Country, you know. But yes, you're right. There's there is a countdown to this thing. So no cheap shot there, but then decides to cheap shot Drew. Drew gives him a nice kick because that's what Drew McIntyre does. And Drew, with a huge boot to the face, throws him into the turnbuckle and just starts firing off shots at him. And then Drew keeps up that pace and hits him with a future shock DDT, sets up for a Claymore, does the countdown, and takes the win. Quick, easy for the Scotsman. Yeah, I, I, you, that was a good recap, a wrestling recap, if have you. We should do a show. I mean, like a weekly show? Like a weekly, yeah, like a weekly wrestling recap. That's genius. I like where you're going here. There should be a W somewhere in there that doesn't belong. Yeah, <laughs> it works though. Speaking of doesn't belong, here comes Becky Lynch. <laughs> you're right. There's a video package. We go ahead and get a recap of what happened to Becky because we all know what happened to Becky. Do you want to explain what happened to Becky? She got bit. <laughs> I, I was perplexed as everybody else. I don't know what Shane was thinking. All only thing I could come up with this is, you know, she, Becky got bit by Shayna. Becky got spit on by Oscar. You know, this stuff doesn't just happen to everybody. There's something that Becky's doing to have people hate her this much that they're willing to bite at her spine. <laughs> this, this is. I tell you what, it was. One of the weirdest things I'd ever seen, but I guess, honestly, Patrick, you and I, we haven't been in that ring. We don't understand what drives some of these competitors. Uh, I'm sure we've seen some crazier things, but in my most recent memory, that was probably one of the craziest. I just hope that Becky got her rabies shot. 
yeah, I hope she got something. I hope she, I tell you what, she brought something with her and she brought a bag with her. Now she goes ahead and dumps this bag out. She starts dumping it everywhere. And man, there was some Benjamins in there too. You know, she probably could have added more Benjamins if she just signed a contract already. Yeah, for real. Sign that contract, girl. But yeah, she, she, she's, she's, she's got some Benjamins with her and it's kind of her prepayment. She says, she says, this is what she's going to use to prepay a fine that she's going to get for what's going to happen to Shayna Baszler. You know what? She should have just prepaid her suspension and not shown up tonight. Yeah, for real. Prepay that suspension, girl. <laughs> what the hell are we doing? Oh, that's great. Oh, so uh, didn't, didn't Shayna come on just to say that, hey, I'm a cage fighter. I'm going to fight in a cage. I'm going to win the elimination chamber and I'm coming for you. That's exactly what she did. Shayna gets uh, Shayna comes on video wise, and she taught. Here's the thing: is one thing that she does say is the re- she didn't plan to bite Becky. It just happened, and so what she's saying is something that hurtful, that malicious happened spontaneously. Imagine Becky, what she does have planned for you, and that's what she said. And she ended up saying, "Pardon the ex- uh, explicit content," but she's going to tear the living shit out of Becky. My goodness. How yeah. dare she? Kids, no. earmuffs. I, I think it's going to happen. I mean, I think that uh, Becky's riding this superhero high that she has from beating Asuka, which is a fluke. I guess I really can't call it a fluke. It happened twice. Okay, she won. Whatever. We're over it. But she's riding too much of a high. And Shayna is a different animal. She is not somebody. Obviously, she's a different animal. She's biting people. So, uh, Becky, don't pay off your fine. Maybe save that for a hospital bill. Definitely. And Becky will be watching the Elimination Chamber and rooting for Shayna. Pay that hospital girl bill. (laughs) Pay the hospital bill girl. (laughs) Sorry. I can't do it. You you, you get those from now on. I'm not even going to try anymore. Yeah, don't. uh, Come on. That's my saying. I had that written down. Just like, you know, say literally on my notes. I'm just like blank, 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 girl. (laughs) <laughs> so we'll go ahead and move on and we'll go uh go see backstage we have bobby lashley we have lana we have angel garza and zelina vega and they're in the back and guess what they're doing tonight they have a double date patrick a double date weird it is a it is a little it is a little strange that it's a double date match because i don't know if Angel Garza and Zelina are actually anything. Zelina is a complete businesswoman, and she's not she's not out there to be dating and falling in love. I think they're just kind of going for the the vibe. You know, there's two guys, two girls. Just it seemed like the thing to say. But I'm just a little perplexed about how this happened. Like, how do we get these people mixed into a match where you got Angel Garza and Bobby Lashley working together? I it I, I don't get it. I don't mind it. I don't get it. It's a little bit perplexing. Who knows? Maybe they were in the back and they decided to talk and they both shared their their hatred for certain people and then somehow manipulated that into a, a double date match, which is, you know, the first time I've ever heard anything referred to something like that. But OK, but then what, what ends up happening is still in the back is that Angel's not a part of this. Angel Garza says, hey, stay calm. Everyone knows. Zelina's beautiful and that no woman can tie down Angel. Do you believe that no woman can tie this man down? No, he can't even tie down his pants. How is he going to be tied down by a woman? <laughs> nice. <laughs> so so they're going up. Uh, who are they going up against? So the double day match is going to be Angel Garza 
and Bobby Lashley versus Rusev and Humberto Carrillo. Can't Rusev just leave Bobby alone? Just leave him alone. Leave him alone, Rusev. You've had enough, but no, this man is out for revenge. He's still out for blood. I mean, come on. There's going to be an eternal hatred burning in the fire of this man's loins for a long time. Now, <laughs> so throughout this this episode of Wrestling in Review, your weekly wrestling recap, you've given us some pristine insights into the actual match. Do you have anything on this one? I do. Actually, once they uh, decide to go out there and actually get the fight started, first thing that we see is a video playback of Humberto getting attacked by Garza. And then more concrete things. You know, Zelina loves to break out that concrete and talk these men into busting people's heads on that because just killing is definitely on her list, it seems like. But once the match starts, we actually start off with Lashley and Humberto. Humberto getting some quick and tricky with uh, Lashley, gets some quick, tricky moves in. Lashley's able to slow it down with his strength, luckily. We see some good arm flips. We see Angel Garza. That dude, he's fantastic in the ring. I'm not going to lie. I mean, he gets a... You know, he does great, has some great drop kicks. Finally, after a good drop kick, the pants come off. And you know what happens when the pants come off? No, what happens when the pants come off? Girls get kissed because then he goes and stands. <laughs> he goes and stands out by the crowd, starts pointing to people, and some some lady fan comes from out of nowhere and gives him a kiss. They They all want him. They just can't have him. I guess so. So in the end, he gets the kiss from the crowd. He gets a kiss from a crowd member. We get uh, Umberto, and Berto decides to dive on him after this whole situation goes on. Uh, we get a few more. We get a few more back and forths. We get Rusev finally into the match, and when Rusev gets into this match, it's just over for everybody. Rusev takes out everyone. He's dodging. You know, he's dodging even the breakup of a pin. Lashley goes to try and stop to break a pin up, and Rusev's already on his feet, getting on to Lashley. It's amazing. Rusev is definitely the Bulgarian brute, and he does not give up. But in the end, Rusev tries an accolade. Garza slips out. Lashley comes in. Rusev gets distracted. We get a tights grab from Garza, and Garza gets the win. Rusev attacks Garza after the match, and uh, they're going to be in the trophy match together. Yes, they are. And and like you said, Rusev's fire. It was something I haven't seen in a while out of this guy. He just looked impressive. And it, it was it was entertaining to watch. And I enjoyed what he did. But he broke the wrestling interview rule. And there is three words there that start with W's. And he got distracted by someone outside the ring. You can't do that. You can't take your eyes off the guy that's legal in the match. You absolutely can't, and that's what happened. But in the end, Rusev loses again. Lashley has stolen this man's wife and stolen this man's pride and stolen wins from this man over and over again. When Every do you give single up? time. Leave Bobby alone. Wasn't that like a, a thing for a while, that girl saying to leave people alone? That was a boy. Well, um, you know what? We're not going to get into this game. I don't know the pronoun. <laughs> apologize i do not know your pronoun i'm not gonna say it if that is the thing i don't want to get we're gonna get attacked so hard we're, we're over with this is game over i better edit this i thought it was a girl i i don't know that was a long time yeah, ago it is a long time ago but you know what you can't think that way anymore it's the future all right so we're gonna ahead, now we're gonna go ahead and discuss uh kairi sane versus natalia natalia went ahead and took oscar last week and got into a match with her and now she's gonna have a match with kairi sane oscar decides to come down with kairi and they're talking some junk oscar always talking to junk especially about easy peasy natalia 
I was I was watching this, and you know, Kyrie is our resident pirate princess. I alluded to that earlier, and I just hope Natalia gives the proper respect to royalty. She won't, but you know, we can always hope for the best. But what I realized in watching the Kabuki, Kabuki Warriors come down is I may be in love with these two. Their banter, their talk, them talking about how easy peasy it is and how they don't care about anything. That was just so wonderful. It was some of the best work I've seen when it comes to just talking in the WWE. It was amazing. I I, I, I could have watched just that and Raw would have been the best episode of the week. I don't know what you would do with yourself if you didn't have all this royalty around. You'd hate everybody. No kings, no queens, no goddesses, no god's gifts, no empresses, no pirate princesses. What would you do with yourself, sir? Why would you leave out messiahs? That's Oh, works. yeah. Oh, that's coming up. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't have to worry about that because I have them all. And I very, very true. <laughs> I saying very true. I just didn't want to interrupt you. Sorry. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right. So this match begins after the junk gets talked. You know, Kyrie Kyrie's getting around a lot of Natalia's defenses. She's taunting a lot. She's giving she's smacking her um rear end, telling Natalia what she could kiss, basically. You know, Natalia ends up doing some great stuff actually she's been really impressive in her matches of recently she, you know she takes control of you know control fighting off uh Kyrie a lot gets Kyrie into the turnbuckle Natalia reverses her at one point with a discus forearm and actually gets Kyrie caught in a possible sharpshooter but Asuka distracts Natalia ref distracted Asuka gave Natalia a kick to the head and sir we get a count out it's a little bit of a dirty win I'm not gonna deny that but after hearing all the smack that Natty's been talking uh, about Asuka and giving her a black eye, I mean, this is part of the what you do. You fight for a living. Things are going to happen like black eyes. You can't get mad at her for that. Don't get hit in the face. So she kind of had that coming. Asuka even said, hey, ref, hey, ref, look, look, she's down. <laughs> it was amazing. She did. she did. That was really good. Asuka's smart. One smart cookie. You know, that's what she is. But. Let's go ahead and move to one of the lowlights of the night. Is, How dare you? Oh, come on. Monday Night Messiah sermon. Yes, I know. He did not call it the sermon. And why would he ever call it a sermon or make stained glass pictures of himself into T-shirts? You think that he's in charge of the merchandise? Absolutely. He inspires. He's the Messiah. He inspires everyone around him. He inspired the stained glass shirts. He inspired the powers that be to label this a sermon because when he talks, people listens. That is a sermon. So it is not only not his words, but it is factual words. And how dare you call it a low light, sir? How dare you? Well, speaking of everybody, quote unquote, listening, as you would say, there is a ton of booze. And then although he just hated that word sermon so much, he also mentions that sermon's appropriate because what he is about to say is divine. And it was. And he starts listening to the crowd for a little bit. He's getting kind of pulled off his game. He's getting a little upset. But then he goes on to tell you that uh, he's here to celebrate the future. In progress in his and everyone's vi- the progress of his and everyone's vision that phase one is completed. Phase one was completed by them vanquishing KO, Joe, and the Viking Raiders. They proved they can achieve whatever they set their mind to. And he isn't taking his responsibility as the Messiah lightly. He says phase two won't be easy. 
and that he understands the the crowd's confusion, which is why there's the "you suck" chance. Wow, what a what a passionate and empathetic Messiah he is. He he gets it, and the thing is, is I was trying to understand why are they booing? Well, sometimes genius is misunderstood. I get it, but it was really tough for me to to decide who was hated more, who's booed more. Randy Orton or Seth Rollins. And then I thought about it doesn't understand because they're both misunderstood. Both are attempting to better the WWE. I think I don't know because no one's let Randy Orton talk, but I think that's what they're doing. And they say, yes, phase one is over. They have done what they set out to do. And now phase two, they are going to seek out the weak or the resistance. So watch out shorty G. <laughs> Poor Shorty G. He's, his time's coming because it's he's not time. even on this show. <laughs> he's not. So Rollins says it's time to seek out the non-compliant and rehabilitate them or eradicate them if they must. So at this point, the Viking Raiders come out. They get into a battle with AOP, and then Rollins sent Murphy into the ring, and then KO comes out to the ramp and actually stuns Seth Rollins. Well, you know, I saw KO come out and I'm like, oh, if he's here, he's about to get beat up because he did promise me that he was going to get beat up every week. You know, it, and that tended to go or it trended that direction for a while, but he seems to be getting the best of it now. So after all said and done with this, we see Rollins and his squad in the back. They decide that, or somebody decides it's a good idea to interview the Messiah after this. And good old, good old first question, top notch. Hey, it seems like your sermon didn't go as planned. <laughs> That's the understatement of the year. Oh, you know, some of these backstage interviews, uh, they remind me of the XFL. I don't I can't even tell you how many times I watched the XFL and they interview a quarterback after he throws an interception. Does no one have any empathy anymore? He just got interrupted during the sermon of the year, the speech to the masses. And you want to stick a microphone in his face? Just give him a second to catch it, to, to just bring it all together. Get his composure. And that's, so and that's, the, that's the tough part is like you, you're going to go back there and say, hey, Sermon didn't go as planned. You might as well just go, that sucked, huh? And then Rollins decides, Rollins decides to come back with, oh, breaking news from Chuck. And that's true. What a terrible question. Come on. These, are, these, these athletes are out there giving their all, getting into fist fights, getting into you know, very hurtful situations and – you just come out with a question like that. It's ridiculous. But anyways, Rollins says he only gets respect. He only gets the respect he deserves from the men around him. And that the disciple and that he's going to take on the disciples are going to take on the Viking Raiders and KO tonight. I look forward to seeing Kevin Owens get beat up. He promised it's going to happen. So I look forward to that. I also look forward to the return of the Mr. WrestleMania. He is now Mr. WrestleMania, or that's what he's being called. We see the OC, the original club, come out. They're coming for you. And AJ saying that WrestleMania season, what would it be without him? And Luke Gallows goes ahead and says, hey, you're phenomenal. You know, could, it couldn't be anything without you. You know, Carl Anderson goes ahead and decides that AJ is the new Mr. WrestleMania. And I guess that's the moniker we're going to have to go with now, that AJ's the greatest on any roster. And, but he has critics, and it's crazy to see that. If the good brothers agree, I agree. So AJ is going to win his gauntlet match that's coming up, and it doesn't matter who he faces. So guess who comes out? Our resident superhero, sir. My goodness, he's been beaten up by everybody, including AJ. It's about time to stop. It's like him and Shorty G should just go and write a book, How to Lose. 
or or how to suck at everything. Little Ricky and Shorty G, the new little rascals. Well, Ricochet comes out and says he's earned his match and that he's going to beat Brock Lesnar and become champion because AJ says that, hey, Ricochet, I, I didn't mean to say your name. No one actually believes you're going to be WWE champion. And that was a shot. And Ricochet doesn't handle that sort of shot, you know, and just doesn't turn the other cheek. He challenges AJ. But in true club fashion, Carl gives him the whoa, cowboy. Whoa. Carl, he's not going to let AJ fight this non-good brother. Are you talking about <laughs> Carl, the toughest man in the building, Anderson? <laughs> My next thing that I written down is, so Carl being the toughest man in the building, he accepts that fight. Oh, he's clearly the toughest man in the building, and he's going to go up against little Ricky, and this probably ain't going to take too long. And honestly, it doesn't take too long. Ricochet starts getting the best of Anderson pretty early on. We get a commercial break at some point. We're back from the break, and Anderson has control. You know, I, I wish I could have saw what went on. But the neck, there's a neck breaker from Carl. There's some headlocks going on. And during the commercial, it sh- they finally showed that AJ actually attacked Ricochet, and they got ejected. Of course they did. Why couldn't they just leave out, stay out of the match? It wasn't one of these situations where he got distracted. AJ actually attacked Ricochet. What do you have to say about that? I, I actually didn't see that, so I, I don't think it happened. Oh, okay. Sorry. You must have sneezed. There's a chance, or I might have had a nacho. I'm so, not sure which one. <laughs> so in the end, we see some beautiful moves from Ricochet, you know, getting a good whooping on Carl. We see a standing shooting star. We see a cover. We see a kick out. Now, Ricochet actually misses the 630, and you get a spine buster, one of the best in the business, a spine buster by Carl Anderson, the toughest man in the business. I think that was the toughest spine buster in the business. It might be that maybe what the new moves called. Well, you know what? Tweet at him. Tell uh, tell him that it's the number one. That should be what it's called. The toughest spine buster in the business from now on. Move on. Move on with that. And you know, let's keep it going. Like I don't see half of these tweets or social media that they're talking about. I do see some of them though. Some of them. Well, I I don't I don't see a lot of them, but I am right now tweeting uh, at Carl Anderson WWE. <laughs> Please so call the spine buster the toughest, the toughest spine, spine buster in the building. Oh yeah, that's perfect. Is it not the business? Was it not toughest? Was he, he's, was he just- he's the toughest man in the building. Building. Okay. You want the yeah. toughest spine buster in the business or in the building? I don't know. We'd have to go back and see what he actually says. It's the building, so we'll, we'll call the building. Yeah, the building. Yeah. Yeah. So Ricochet actually gets uh, uh, does like a modified go to go to sleep a GTS and wins. I don't know what he calls that, but it was great. And so you were wrong. He, he calls it a take a nap. <laughs> that's more than a nap, buddy. That's a that's a that's a hell of a knockout. But there you go. So uh, Ricochet gets the win, and you don't have anything to say anymore. I don't. He did. He got the win. But when you're going against the toughest man in the building, I, it's probably just kind of a lucky break. But. You and I and everybody in the world, including the Good Brothers and Mr. WrestleMania, all agree no one thinks he's going to win at Super Showdown. Yeah, it's it's tough to see that he's actually going to win. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I I don't know. I, I honestly wish I could give him my vote of confidence, but I can't. It's it's Brock Lesnar. It's true. I, I, I hope that Brock Lesnar doesn't uh, overlook this match because he is a superhero. I don't think he will because Brock Lesnar is a professional and everything he does, including not having feelings. So I think he'll be OK. But speaking about feelings, 
You know who mm-hmm. has feelings? Liv Morgan. Liv. And Liv had all the feelings in about three seconds. She did. She let us know all of her feelings rather quickly. Uh, she let us know that she was excited to see Ruby come back, but Ruby betrayed her, Ruby betrayed her trust. And, you know, that's enough to break anybody. But it won't break her now. Liv is going to win the Elimination Chamber, she says. Do you believe she stands a chance? She always has a chance. And I'm going to do something that you probably don't think I would do. I agree with Liv. How wow. dare Ruby do that? They were like best friends. And she comes in and does what she does. And Liv, I think, will probably be too focused in on revenge. And that's why she doesn't live win the Elimination Chamber. But she always has a shot. I would never count her out. Since she's come back, she's been more focused. But she is sometimes more focused on revenge than winning. But she has been focused and skillful. And she is going places. And I am backing. I I think Shayna will win. But I'm going to back Liv. She is going to be my emotional pick. Because I am not Brock Lesnar. I can have emotions. You can. And you're allowed to have them, sir. And And I applaud you. I applaud you, even though I haven't checked Liv Morgan's like Twitter feed. Is she calling herself like queen or something now? Why are you suddenly on Liv Morgan's side? She's she's I I don't have what's another royalty I could throw in there. I don't know. I don't know enough about that. <laughs> I don't know enough about royalty either, but yeah. she is the royalty in my emotional sense right now, sir. I didn't know we were going here, but yes, she is royalty to me. All right. Well, good. We'll see how that turns out. But let's go ahead and finish this uh, wonderful, wonderful show off with the Disciples versus KO and the Viking Raiders. So I'll tell you what I saw in this match, number one. Please do. Is there were so many tags. Throughout this match, I swear, KO tag, you know, KO tagged in Ivar. Ivar, Ivar tagged in Eric. Eric tagged, Eric tagged in Ivar. Ivar tagged in Eric, and then Eric would tag in K. It was constant, a constant, constant, constant tagging, and that's great way to do it. And they would just, and that was their strategy was to keep isolation in their corner, keep the tags going, keep the fresh man in, and in the end. In the end, I think that that's probably what won it for him. I mean, the resistance won. Technically. <laughs> but, but what I saw was the disciples couldn't get it done this time. So the Messiah took care of business because he's not a sit back and let other people fight his fights type of Messiah. He's the get his hands dirty and handle his own business type of Messiah. And so, you know what we got? We got KO getting beat up like he promised. Well, you you like it that KO gets beat up because he says he's going to get beat up constantly. I'll tell you what I saw during the match towards the end there is uh, Rizar actually reversed the stunner. Murphy tagged in. Then KO did his patented pop-up powerbomb, and that's when all hell broke loose. Now, when I say that the resistance won, it's because after Seth Rollins came in, after he decided to come in and screw everything up and get get into everything, he decides to grab the mic. And says, this is what would happen if you stand in the way of progress. And then guess who comes out because they get a hint, they get a smell, they get a sight, they get a feeling that there's some smoke to get got. See, that that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't think that they're responding to the match. I don't think they're responding to the unfairness or that they didn't like the Messiah. I just think they're still looking for that smoke and they thought it was out there. That's what they want, man. They want that smoke. 
the quest for the one thing, the one smoke, and they will find it. And I'm rooting for them to find that smoke just so I know what it is. And I believe they will. And I believe they will. Well, talk, talk about unfortunate timing, though. How would you like to run out with the Messiahs trying to finish off a sermon at the end of the match? Yeah, that's what he did. He grabbed the mic. Um, he went ahead and told Roland, or he went ahead and told KL that he was going to crucify. They were going to crucify using that word that he was going to crucify KO. And that's whenever the prophets came out and they cleared house. Well, maybe there's too many people to find the smoke. Maybe, maybe. So, what do you think? I think that's our show. Yes. How do we sign off on these things? Listen, the number one podcast in the biz that nobody's hearing right now because we're still in the test phase, the number one podcast that you and I are doing at this moment in time, the wrestling in review, your weekly wrestling recap. Yeah.